couple of weeks, we're going to talk about uh, the, the statement that I'm reading every week, the, oh, death, where is your victory? Because death does not hold us down as believers. So I'm going to read, and they're not long, but there's three little sets of scriptures that I'm going to read that are kind of the foundation for this week's message and where uh, God is taking us this week in this Death Defeated series. And so we're going to look at Corinthians, and then we're going to jump to the book of Matthew. And so in Corinthians, uh, it's kind of the foundational scripture that we have been talking about uh, last week, and we're going to kind of hit on every week that's going to be the, the basis for how we start. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57 says this, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, that's heaven, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. I want you to catch, sin is the sting that results in death. And if the cross defeated sin and then his resurrection defeated the, uh, uh, death, then we have victory over both sin and death. And it says, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's kind of the whole foundational scripture for this series, that without Jesus, we would be bound by the law. And so that law doesn't allow our sins to be completely forgiven, but rolled forward till the following year sacrifice. But Jesus came on the scene and his death on the cross, his life, his, his perfect life being a, a sacrifice for us gave us victory over sin and death. So Matthew 4, and we're going to look at Matthew 4, 17, and Matthew 10, 5 through 8, and both of these are in the Passion Translation. I just, I love the way that it, it's, it articulates these, and it says this. So Matthew 4, 17, from that time on, so I guess I should let you know what that means from that time on. So this is right after Jesus is, uh, does the 40 days of, of prayer and fasting where he only has water, and he goes out into the wilderness, and then Satan comes and he tempts him, and he tempts him three different times, and, and, and it's, this, is, this is literally what happens right after that. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words. Keep turning away from your sins and come back to God, for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. What a powerful statement that Jesus is saying, listen, I'm, I'm ready, I'm going to be used in a way that if you turn from your sin and you trust me and you come back to God, that you are going to have access to all of the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's look at Matthew 10, 5 through 8. So Jesus sends out the 12 with these instructions. So here's what happens. Jesus is, has been teaching the disciples. He's been telling them and showing them, you know, uh, how, to, how to be the person that God wants them to be and to be a leader and to do the things that he's doing. And so now he's going he's gonna to give them a little bit of test right? It's kind of like parents. <laughs> we, we, we kind of, we, we give, we give a, a little bit, we give a little bit of rope. We, okay, I'm going to show you how to clean your room. Next time I expect you to know how to clean your room. And then we're going to see if you did it, right? Or I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to do this chore, but eventually I want you to be able to do it on your own. And so here's Jesus like, okay, you've seen me heal the sick. You've seen me 
do these things with the, the lepers, and you've seen me cast out demonic uh, uh, beings out of people's lives. You've seen me do all these miracles. Now guess what? It's your turn. So it says, Jesus sent out the 12 with these instructions. Don't go into any Gentile or Samaritan territory. Now, I want you to understand Jesus is for you, <laughs> okay? So you may be, why would he say that, you know? Because he goes on to say, go instead and find the lost sheep among the people of Israel. He, he had to first send out, his, his first goal was to recall the Jewish people, and then that blessing and that, and that word and that, that, that message goes out into the Gentiles through Acts and, and all of that, and even through Jesus, through the Samaritan woman. And so it's not that he's not for non-Jewish, but there was a purpose telling them, saying, listen, I want you to go to the Jewish people first, and, and, and I want you to try and, and do these things. And it says, as you go, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible, close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. See, when you look at the, the entirety of these three scriptures, you see a theme that starts to uh, come together, which is simply that Jesus came to release the kingdom of heaven and the power of heaven in each and every one of our lives. And what, what, what a great and powerful news. Like, you don't have to do life alone. You don't have to do life in your own power. You don't have to put the weight and the pressure of, of, of life circumstances on your back and, and try to do it by yourself. Oh, I've got to pull myself up from, uh, from, from, with the bootstraps, and I've got to be my own. I've got to make my own way. No. Matter of fact, you will stretch yourself out, and you will, you will be overcome with all sorts of struggles when you try to do it on your own. I believe that God's purpose is for him to pour his presence and his life into us so that we can live the life that he has called us to live. And, and I mean that in every aspect of the way. You can't have a great relationship if Jesus isn't at the center of it. You can't be the greatest worker that you want to be unless Jesus is at the center of your life. You can't be the greatest boss. You can't be the greatest father or mother unless Jesus is at the center of who you are. You will always struggle and always uh, struggle with insecurities, always struggle with the, the guilt of, of making mistakes because we've all done that where we've said or done something that we don't like and we go, oh, and, and the enemy's goal is to always get you to dwell on those things. Remember when you said this to your son or daughter? Remember when you said that to your wife or your husband? Remember when you treated that person like crap? Remember? Remember how, how you thought those bad thoughts about that person or that work or that job or whatever it is? The enemy's goal is to get you to think on the things that will constantly make you feel insecure and not good enough. God says, you can't do this on your own. And so I sent my son Jesus, who had had victory over sin and death and over every aspect of our life. And when you come to him, the kingdom of heaven becomes accessible. We have to learn how to make accessible the kingdom of God in our life. We have to put into practice accessing God's presence in our life. It's so important. Anybody remember those, I think it was JCPenney's, those old JCPenney's commercials? Open, 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 
It seems so dumb. Go through the door, right? I mean, like, it, open, 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 open. And they stand there, and, they, and they're literally doing this. Like, who does, th- who stands outside the stores and open, 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 open? Like, no. It's so stupid, right? And yet, like, it, it is burned into my brain, literally waiting at the door, not me personally, because I wouldn't do that. Well, I, that's, I take that back. I, 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 I'm one of those crazy guys that goes Black Friday shopping. <laughs> I just heard, mm-mm. Now, listen, our Black Friday shopping has gotten a lot easier since the internet has become more and more uh, proficient in shopping online. But I remember um, very early on in having children that before a lot of shopping online was prevalent with Amazon and, and, and all of the Black Friday stuff. So <laughs> me and Stephanie would get up. Now, I had one rule. One rule. And before, it, it, I didn't even have to make this rule because it, nobody opened up on, on Thanksgiving Day. But, you know, we would get up at like 1 in the morning and we'd go wait. And, and the, at the beginning, it started this way. I would drop her off at one store and she would wait in line and then I would go to the other store and I would go wait in that line. Because poor, I shouldn't say poor, we weren't poor. Broke families had to get, you know, their deal on, right? And, and, and that's just smart. That's just frugal-minded, makes sense, okay? And so, so I would go wait. Uh, I remember one year I dropped her off at Walmart, and I went and waited at Target because that's a little more upscale. Um, and I didn't have to deal with the crazies at Walmart. And then we just stopped going to Walmart because it's way too crazy, but I remember, like, standing there, and it would be cold. It's Thanksgiving. It's, the, it's, it's in November, and I'm sitting there going, why am I doing this? This is stupid. And I'd sit there in line, and, and, and yet when the door opened, there was an adrenaline rush. I got to get my gifts. I got to get it. I got to, I got to, it is now, it wasn't accessible to me before because the doors were shut, but as soon as that door is open, I don't care what I've got to do. I'm going to get to the door and I'm going to get to the front of the line because there's only five of them. Everybody's fighting for it. And when you got little kids, there's always after that one thing that's like super popular. Tickle me Elmo. So glad that my kids were not during that phase. I'd, I'd, stupid. Stupid. <laughs> No. Don't want to hear that over and over and over again in my house. Hi, Melmo. No, like that's shooting practice. But I remember waiting in line. Open the door. And I think so many of us, we wait on the outside spiritually going, God, I want access to your power. God, I want to I have purpose. God, I want a better relationship. God, I want this. God, I want that. But I'm not ready, or I don't think I'm ready to step over that threshold of accessibility of your purpose and power in our life. And I'm telling you, Jesus promises you that if you want to see the goodness of God portrayed in your life, it's not that the, the, the kingdom of heaven is closed off to you. It's that you're sitting on the outside and you're going, I'm unsure of stepping through the unknown. But there's a few things that have to happen. Well, there's one major thing that has to happen. And, and I've got three thoughts this morning. Five pages of notes. I'm just playing. 
just plain. Some of y'all are like, <gasps> I know. I don't think I've ever had five pages of notes, by the way, just so y'all know. Uh, but the first thought this morning out of those three scriptures is this. It's a simple word that's very hard to do. Repent. Repent. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Repentance means killing a part of yourself, undergoing a kind of death. Killing a part of yourself. That sounds horrible. <laughs> right? But, but I want to look at Psalms 103, 11 through 13, which may give you a better picture of repentance and God's version of it. So Psalms 103, 11 through 13 says this, for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is, a great, as, is as great as the heights of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. I love this, this envisionment. That when we come to Jesus and we ask for forgiveness of our sins, he says that it is literally as far as, as the east is from the west. Now, here's the thing. Those two can never touch. Right? Because as long as you're going east, you're going east. Seems so simple. And as long as you're going west, you're, you're going west. And even though you may go west enough to where you have gone west so far that you come back to the, you're still going west. You're not going east. And so when Jesus says that your sin has been thrown as far as the east is from the west, what he's saying is, listen, there's no way that the two can collide if you continue to trust me. If you continue to love me, if you continue to serve me, then, then those sins, they, they will never even come back to you. That's repentance. It is literally turning 180 degrees from the lifestyle or the thing that you were doing. It is not just coming to God and going, God, I'm sorry, because we've all done this. Listen, we have all done this. If you haven't, you'll join the club eventually, okay? But you go, God, I'm so sorry for this sin. I'll never do it again. You say it. You actually mean it in your heart. And then what happens? You do it again. Now, eventually, the goal is to not do it again. But we've all made that statement before. God, this is the last time. Because I believe in our hearts. We believe that. And I believe in, the heart, in our heart that we want that. But there has to come a point where it's no longer just the words that we speak, but it's the action of literally turning away from the sin that we're doing. And setting up barricades, like I'm never going back to that. I'm never going to compromise again in this area of my life. And setting up disciplines to stay away. It's not just saying, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. It's, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, and help me to walk the different way. His unfailing love causes me to want to walk away from my sin. And he says, uh, this is an interesting statement, like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Oh, you're not supposed to fear your father. Okay. <laughs> I'm almost 40 years old. I still fear my father. Like, he's a great, loving, compassionate guy, a little tender with age, like a good steak. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. But, but at the end of the day, I still have that healthy fear. Like, he's my dad. And I feel like at 95 years old, he'll still be able to, like, torment me and hurt me. 
You know, maybe with a cane, it may be with some tool or, or whatever, but I, like he has built a healthy fear of him in me because he set a standard for what fatherhood and what manhood looked like. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. But I watched him live his life and I watched him make his mistakes and I watched him do right things and good things. And, and, and by doing that, it set up a standard of what that would look like. And there was a fear that if I, listen, there's a lot of things. I once told an officer to take me to jail so that I wouldn't have to go home. Some of you are like, what did you do that an officer was, <laughs> right? I got pulled over. It's the second ticket in, in a month. The officer's like, I'm going to give you a racing ticket. I'm like, the heck you will. <laughs> You're going to take me to jail. If my dad finds out I was racing in the minivan, we are dead. <laughs> Yo, big old vanilla. That was the name of that, that van. It was a white car with a cream interior, tan interior. I didn't name my car. My, my friends did. You driving vanilla? Ugh. Hated driving a minivan. You can't be cool in a minivan. I was a senior in high school. So listen, before y'all go, Ugh, my worst car was. Listen, I drove a. I parked in the farthest parking lot. Like I almost parked like in a different city to walk into school. <laughs> you can't listen. I, there's no amount of music that you can listen to that makes you cool rolling up in a minivan. And some of y'all are thinking about the cool Honda Odysseys. No, Dodge Caravan. Both doors opening up. Oh, yeah. Make it even worse. This is my first year at the school. I went to that school one year, my senior year. You don't make friends as a senior in high school driving a minivan? What's up? Want to ride? <laughs> Listen, like creeper status. Wait, believe it, I was hanging out with friends, despite the minivan. Thank God for church, uh, youth group, and, and all that. And we were hanging out one Friday night, and, and, and we were driving. And my buddy, who was in college, he drove a Honda uh, Civic SI Sport Edition, had all the awesome, you know, additives to the engine. And, I mean, this thing was fast and cool. I'm in a minivan. He could smoke me off the line any day of the week, like, without even thinking about it. He could start in sixth gear and probably still beat me. Engine's falling off. He's like Fred Flintstone faster than my minivan. But he's just joking around with me. He starts revving his engine, so I do what every other guy does. You know, I... Um, and, and make my little van whine. And, and, you know, the one thing that was cool about the minivan was that, you know, you could put a lot of people in it. And so we're driving, and, and we're coming into a neighborhood, and... He takes off, so I, we can't even say I took off in a minivan. <laughs> I floored the thing, and it said, <laughs> um, okay, and we get this thing up to 55. We weren't really racing, but the speed limit inside the neighborhood was 30. Yeah. And my friend who's in the, par uh, the passenger seat goes, oh, a cop. Genius, they're supposed to tell me that when you see them far off, not when they're passing me. All of a sudden, blue lights come on. They flip a UE. I don't, they must have got on the radio real quick because before you know it, there's like multiple cops. And now I'm freaking out because mind you, I had a, a, a ticket like a month earlier. 
into full panic mode. Like, oh God, I'm dead. Like I didn't even get to see 18 yet. And so, so I, 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 I pulled over. My buddy pulls over, and the cop, you know, she's yelling at both of us, and then another cop car comes, and at that point, I don't even know what happened. I just know that at that point, I freaked out enough to where I got out of the vehicle. Y'all, don't do that. Like, I got, like, she's walking up, and I'm like, how you doing? <laughs> and, she, and she's like, sir, sir, get back here. I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? What, what, what am I doing? So I turn around and I start walking back to the van. And she's like, sir. And I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to get shot. And I'm like, what do I do? She goes, sir, go sit on the curb. And I'm like, oh, God. She's like, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not. It's so not okay right now. So she proceeds to, to write me a ticket. She goes, listen, I'm going to do you a favor. Kill me? I'm going to write you a ticket for racing. I'm like, what? how is this a favor right now? This is not a favor. You're just signing my death warrant. And she goes, no, no, it's better for you. I'm like, in no world is it better than I tell my mom that I got a racing ticket in her minivan. <laughs> no world is that okay. All I could think about was my father. He's going to kill me. I said, ma'am, please take me to jail. <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking. I literally told an officer, ma'am, it is better and safer for me in jail. No, it's not. Your dad, you don't know my dad. You will in about five hours. You'll know him when you show up to my death. Ruined my whole night. She was trying to be consoling. It's okay, son. Like, you don't know me. Don't call me son. She's like signing my ticket. Have a good day, which you never say, by the way. Um, and we went off to my friend's house and, 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 they're like, you just, hey, just chill, you know, like good friends. Just chill out. Can't take it back. <laughs> Y'all, so <laughs> why am I acting like this? Because it's not because my mom, my mom's a sweetheart. Mom, I got to take it again. Okay. You heard? Do you need a cookie? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're moms. I'm scared of my dad. Two tickets in a month? I'm not going to see a car or a license till like I get married and have kids of my own. The Bible says that God is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. The healthy fear kept me in a place where I didn't want to, if I didn't have fear of my father or fear of consequences, I, I'd go race and do whatever I want, whenever I want. It was that healthy fear, that loving fear that kept me in that place of, oh man, I made a mistake and I don't want to do that again. And so I remember going home and, and, and finding out that in the state of Texas, 17 is considered an adult. <laughs> I'm an adult now. I don't have to tell my parents anything. Ticket's going to come in my name. Guess what I did? I told my mom. Um, and then she told my dad, like any loving wife does that tells her son, we have to tell your father, why? Can't we just keep this between me and you? Now, at the end of the story, just so that you all know, obviously I didn't die. I'm here. Um, but uh, I, I, they, they were like, <laughs> here's the great part. They're like, you can't have the car for two weeks. I'm like, oh, first of all, that's, that's it? Cool, awesome. But you can go to school, work, and church. I'm like, I don't go anywhere else. Sounds like a great punishment. 
Like, okay, golden, I'll take it. I'm so sorry. You know, but, and, and so, but still, it, listen, the fear of consequences was more dreadful than the consequence itself. Isn't that how being a Christian a lot, a lot of times normally is? We are so scared what might happen. We're so scared of what people will think of. We're so scared of our insecurities. And really, God's a compassionate father that says, listen, I, I, I don't want to torment you in pain with, with consequences. I want you to learn from the things that you do wrong. I want you to, to turn away from that. I don't want you to hate me so that you go and do whatever you want. I want you to love me in such a way and know that I have good for you, that you turn from your sin and you walk towards God. We have victory through the cross over sin in our life. We have victory to turn and, and walk away from the things that hold you back, your addictions, your struggles, your, your emotional uh, struggles. All of those things, you, you ha- listen to me. I, I need y'all to hear me in this. You have victory in those. Stop walking with your head down. Stop walking like you don't have victory. Stop walking like you can't be better. You can. God's word says you can. God says that if you lean into him, your sins are forgiven and that you can can walk and repent and turn away from those things that don't please God. But you can't do it on your own. You need Jesus. You need other Christians that are going to encourage you and hold you accountable we were never meant to do life alone. That's why we are, are big believers in life groups. That's why we're big believers in, 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 in doing ministry together and doing life together because it's where we can encourage, hey, look, I've been going through a tough time. Hey, have you been? Let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. Let's walk together in it. The enemy wants to get you isolated and believe the lies. Oh, if you go home now, your dad's going to beat you within an inch of your life. I was really scared of that, but he didn't. Because as much as he built the fear to not make mistakes, the compassionate side says, okay, I think you've learned your lesson, but here's the consequence. How many ever, um, this is great fatherly advice. Probably more guys than anybody heard this. If you get the girl pregnant, you're going to marry her. I'm pretty sure my dad didn't have that power. I wasn't also willing to test it. You know what I mean? I got told that multiple times. You're going to be a man. You're going to stay. If you get that, if you get a girl pregnant, you're going to marry her and you're going to take care of that family. I don't think that he can legally do that in the, in, in, in the United States. But at the same time, I was not willing to challenge that. Okay. Scared me enough. And y'all may be thinking, yeah, right. No, I'm seriously. It scared me enough to, ne- nah, listen, I'm good. That little fun is not worth something, you know, screaming and crying at me and my dad telling me that I have to go down the aisle and marry you. Not going to happen. It was the fear of my father's words that led me to a compassionate outcome. And it's the same with God. His words, when you read them black and white, they may sound harsh and, and, and strong. And, and that is, I think, to encourage us to say, we, there's nothing on. It, it, could you imagine if he said, oh, sin, sin's pretty fun sometimes. Oh, well, which, which, which sins are fun, God? Uh, let's go over here. Because yeah, here's the reality. Sin is fun. For a moment. 
It'll cause you joy for a moment. It'll cause you uh, happiness or uh, euphoria or whatever you want to call it for a moment, no matter what it is. But ultimately, if it is not lining up with God's word and it doesn't lead you to him and it doesn't lead you to a purposeful life, it ultimately comes back to the same circle of, of consequences and feelings and emotions, the, the insecurities, the, the guilt, the shame, the hurt. God says, I don't want any of that. I want you to turn away from that lifestyle, and I want you to run towards me. Um, I love what Johnny Cash said. Such a spiritual guy. He actually was towards the end of his life. Uh, He said this, I have tried drugs and a little of everything else, and there is nothing in the world more soul-satisfying than having the kingdom of God building inside of you and growing. I could preach. I've tried everything. I've tried drugs, I've tried alcohol, I've tried women, uh, out of whatever else is included in a little bit of everything else. And nothing is more satisfying than Jesus. Man, if we can get that and understand that's what repentance is, it's, it's I've tried you and you've never worked out for me. I'm gonna try God and I'm gonna give him all of me. We've gotta repent. We've gotta say I'm sorry, not just with our words, but with our life, which leads to the, the last two points, which are really simple. That was really the, the crux of the message. You know, we have gotta have a repentive heart. You know, part of me every, every night when I'm uh, praying uh, before I go to bed is God forgive me. If I said something wrong, if I did something wrong, if I acted wrong, forgive me, but also show me how to change. Show me how to be a better person. Help me, help me to not make those mistakes tomorrow. And draw close to you. So we've got to have a repentive heart. We have to learn to repent. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The second thing is this, is that um, heaven is accessible. Heaven is accessible. In your life, in my life, we have daily access to a life-giving God. And if you don't believe that, you're not trying to access heaven. Jesus says it in both Matthew 4 and Matthew 10. Heaven is accessible when you come to the Father, when you, when you turn from sin and you go towards him. Heaven is accessible. Spiritual disciplines become a rhythm for living in which we can grow more intimately and connected to God. It is self-discipline, spiritual discipline that leads us to a rhythm of being connected to Jesus. And I've said this over and over again, with any good relationship, there is a connectivity that we have to go after. When you're first dating, you want to put your best foot forward. When, you, uh, when, you, when you're getting married, man, that first year, you want to make sure that you're not a slob. Clean up after yourself. Look a little better. Hey, let's go out on date night. You get to year 15, year 10, year 7, year 2. It's a little different. <laughs> right? You, okay, I can be this person. You start to get into the girls are wearing those crazy masks and looking like aliens when they come out of the bathroom. Guys are clipping their toenails with their teeth and spitting them on your wife. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait. That, I'm just joking. I, I, I'm not flexible enough to do that, y'all. So don't think I do that, okay? I'm so not like, my, my feet can't get to my knees, okay? Uh, if I sit Indian style, I'm gonna stay there till Jesus comes back. And so, so you know, there's this, there's this accessibility. I want you to come in and have this relationship with me. And Jesus is saying this, it is the disciplines, right? Guys, listen, it, as junior high and high school guys, you know, it's, I can go out and play. I don't need a shower. I'm just going to go hang out with the guys. As a grown man, I like showers. 
I do. I like to smell good. I like the fact that my wife wants to be around me. Okay? So if I want the connection, I've got to do the things that are going to get the connection. If I didn't take a shower for a few days, no connection. Go away. If, if I didn't take a shower, do you think anybody that I work with or anybody at the church would want to hang around me? Absolutely not. Go roll around in garbage and then go try to hang out with people. Isn't people... I sound really holy here. It's like a bad, silent, but deadly fart. If that happens, it can clear a room. Nobody wants to be with you. And no matter how much you try to pawn it off on somebody else, everybody knows where it came from. My wife knows my smell. Right? I mean, let's, we're just going to be real. My wife will go, that was you. No, it wasn't. She knows. 18 years. Why? Because we've built that connection. And so many times in life with, with God, we, we are so afraid to build that connection because we feel like he's going to make us or change us into something that we've never been designed for. Can I tell you, he is the designer. He knows who you were supposed to be before you started creating an alternative method of who you're supposed to be. He designed you. Every thought, every quirkiness, every, every flaw that you call a flaw, God designed and called it his. Now all he wants is ex- to you to have access to him. And so there's spiritual disciplines and, and, and getting up and, and focusing your day on him, spending some time in your word, spending some time in prayer, in worship, building godly relationships that draw you closer to him and heaven. Access to heaven unlocks a deeper relationship with God and purpose and power within his kingdom here on earth. Think about the Lord's prayer. On earth as it is in heaven. We're asking God to do what he does up there and bring it down here. God, I want you to do miracles like you do up in heaven. I want you to do it here. God, I want you to, to heal people like you, like you have that power up there. I want you to heal here. God, I want you to give me a, a, a thought process on the finances, the way that you see kingdom finances. I want you to do that here. And the more you feel a part of God, the more you act and live as a part of the kingdom. Jesus modeled access to the Father with daily prayer. It says that, the, that Jesus got up daily and spent time with the Father. Meditation, devotion. And can I tell you, all of that recharges you spiritually, which, in charges, which charges you emotionally and physically. There's nothing like getting a little bit of a spiritual break and just, just focusing on God and, and, and taking a good nap. Can I tell you, those two things do go hand in hand in my life. Um, I will not lie to you. I think that naps are super important. Um, I, I don't even mean that as a joke. I really do think that naps are super important. They actually clear your mind. They uh, settle your emotions. They settle you physically, allowing you to, to rebuild that strength. And clear your mind to be able to have a, a, a good thought process. Now, that doesn't mean that you take a 12-hour nap. That is not a nap. That's laziness. Or you're sleeping. But, like, if you, like, take a nap at 11 o'clock in the afternoon and don't wake up till like, 11 o'clock at night, you either work nights or, you know, it is what it is. A nap <laughs> is just that little break. And so many times we need that little break in life. We say, God, I just want to focus in on you, and I want, to, I want to create access with you to feel a part of you. And Jesus, Jesus took naps. Jesus took a nap on a boat when it was about to sink. 
And he woke up refreshed, and he said, do you, not, do you not have access to God that this wind and this storm would stop? Paul speaks of it through the New Testament. Often to the church, he's, he's, said, he's telling us to set our thoughts on things above, to set things, our thoughts on heaven, to set our emotions and our eyes and our gaze and our fix on Jesus, having a devoted prayer life, having strong Christian fellowship, and to have spiritual disciplines. I'm telling you, if you want to see, have access to God, if you want to have the power of God living through you, then you've got to access him through the spiritual disciplines of life. And it doesn't mean be a monk and go live for, you know, 10 hours a day, just chanting and praying and, and reading your word. It just means that you are spending and carving out parts of your day, focusing specifically on word and prayer and worship and the Bible says that we pray often. How many times do you just, you know, in the middle of your day, just, God, help me to speak right. I'm about to go in this meeting. Give me the words to speak. I'm about to go have lunch with my whatever, fill in the blank. <laughs> my best friend, my mother-in-law, my mother. I, you, I know I need your strength, so give me the words so that I don't say something stupid. Help me. Those little prayers. What about little prayers like when, you, when, you're, when you're going out and, and or I, I love this. Now, um, I don't listen to a lot of K-Love, but when I do, they're, they're always doing some kind of challenge. Right now, they're doing this gas giveaway challenge. Not where they're giving you gas. That would be nice. But where they're encouraging you to give away gas. Thanks. <laughs> this is not hard enough to fill up my tank. But people are calling in and saying, man, you know what? I was, ugh, I was having a bad day, whatever, and I went and I put $20 in the tank next to me. Man, can I tell you what it did in my life, but also in their life? We gave $5 Sonics gift cards away a couple summers ago. You would have thought we gave $100 away. Like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, like your meal costs you $15, here's $5 towards it. And you, people were like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Oh. $5. It doesn't even pay your full meal. Like, even if you just got one meal, it don't pay your full meal. We had people going, oh, you have no clue how much I needed this blessing. And you would have, listen, if you would have thought, told me somebody's going to you know, start crying over a $5 Sonic gift card, I thought, you're absolutely crazy. It wasn't the $5. It was the thought of getting outside of ourselves and saying, I want to bless you from a place where I have access. The kingdom of God accessing and giving it to somebody else. You don't live our kingdom lifestyle on accident. I love this idea, and we are wrapping up, but I love this idea. Where you have citizenship creates your culture. Think about this. If you've ever gone to, like, <laughs> if you've ever gone outside the South, think about, when I say the word, those Yankees, I'm not talking about baseball. Everybody has an idea of those Northerners. Those creepy, weird people. Think about East Coast, West Coast. There's a different culture. But they both live on the coast. But a New Yorker is far different than a Californian. Far different. When you just think of California, most people are like, oh, hang 10, dude. It's a beach. And if you think I'm joking and just like being hyperbolic, I'm not. Listen, when I lived in Texas and moved to Washington State, 
these are, this is literally what came at me. So do y'all have cars? What? Y'all, being a sixth grader and being asked, like, do y'all have cars? What world do y'all live in? My friends from Washington, so like, do y'all still like ride horses? What? What are you talking, because listen, because their culture was Texas Rangers, oh, Chuck Norris, Wild West. Like, y'all, those are movies, that's not real. Like, yeah, there's ranches and people that have horses and all that, but yeah, we have cars and technology just like you, we live in America. What? Think about the misnomers of, of, of Arkansas. You all have your teeth today. Good job. <laughs> but this is what people think about Arkansas. How many of you have married your first cousin? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, here, here's, here's that thought. We have this idea of what the culture of the citizenship looks like. If I say Mexico, y'all think Taco. Burrito. Burrito is not a Mexican thing. It is not. Don't go to Mexico and order a burrito. Not to an authentic, you might actually get killed. Just saying. Burrito is an American Mexican meal. It does not exist in Mexico in real places. Trust me, I know, I've been there. But why? Because we have this idea of what culture and what citizenship looks like. I say Australia, y'all start to like try to come up with the best Australian accent in your head, and most of the time it turns out really bad British. We have this idea of the where somebody is is connected to their culture. Can I tell you that it's no different with heaven? When you say Christian, it is connected to the culture that you live out. So when you say, I love Jesus, you are carrying the kingdom with you. And you don't have to be perfect, but man, I want to do the best I can to access heaven, to bring heaven on earth. Psalm 73, 28, and then I've got my, literally my last thought is my last point. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. My last point is freely received, freely give. In the very beginning of our message in Matthew, the very last line of Matthew 10, 8 says this, freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. Christ died to set us free, but he lived to give us the example. Jesus lived on earth to give you the example of what it looks like. So it shouldn't be weird when somebody's going through a tough time that I come up and I go, hey, can we pray about it? Culture has told us that's weird. Culture has told us don't, don't get involved in people's lives. And if you do, just you know, make it funny or sarcastic or gossip about it. The Bible says that if you're going to get involved with somebody's life, make it purposeful and powerful and, and deposit a little bit of heaven in it. I love this. this I don't have a clue who this guy is, but put up the, the last um, statement that I have. I have no idea who Cornel West is, but he said something really, really powerful. If the kingdom of God is in you, you should leave a little bit of heaven wherever you go. Wow. 
I have a shirt that I bought uh, around Christmas time that if you're going to talk about somebody today, talk about Jesus. I love that. One at the end of the, my day, when I lay my head down on my, my pillow, that I go, you know what? I've deposited a little bit of Jesus somewhere where I've went. I may not be the best at it. I may not be perfect. I may not have it all together, but you know what? I'm going to give a little bit of kingdom heaven everywhere I go, even at Walmart. <sighs> Sometimes maybe the best thing you've done is just been quiet when you're shopping. You know, silence sometimes is the best gift that you can give people. What, what's the saying? If you ain't got nothing to say, nice to say, say nothing at all. Wouldn't the world just be a little bit better if those were the actions that we actually took? And it's so spiritual. It's so biblical. Christ died so that we could release the power of God in, a, in us and through us. You know why I think churches you were, use words like revival? Because they hope that people will come expecting something different. We're having a revival meeting. What if we just said we're gathering at Deanna and Rodney's house and we're going to pray? Does that make it any less powerful? I don't think so. What if we said we're just going to have a worship night? And we're going to see what God does. What if we said we we're going to go on a prayer walk through downtown? And, and instead of using powerful words like revival or the presence of God is going to fall and rain down on camp. What if we just said, God, I just, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to, we're going to step out and we're going to access heaven. What if we prayed with just that idea that God I don't have to create I don't have to create it that's your job I just have to pray it so when when somebody like Rodney comes up to me and says hey man I'm going through a tough week can you pray for me I don't have to I don't have to make the prayer work I just have to pray the prayer and God's going to do his thing it takes the, the pressure off of us. I don't have to be the answer. I just have to be the conduit which the answer moves through. I just have to be accessible to God's presence. I just have to be accessible to his purpose in my life. I just have to walk away from the sin that is in my life. And for some of you, when I say that word, you're like, oh, I'm not a murderer. I get it. But listen, God's word says that if you even think it, therefore you might as well have already done it. Now, that's, there's a whole deeper thought process in there that I don't have time to go into. But what he's saying is, listen, we've got to stop thinking that sin is this massive, oh my gosh, the, the meth heads and the murderers and the, 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 the rapists and the Bible says that if you gossip, you, you are like them. The Bible says that, that if, if you hold back from God, James says to know to do good and not to do it is sin. Hmm. Y'all have sinned this week. So if that releases the, the pressure of I have to be perfect, listen, I've sinned this week. If I've sinned this week and I, God is giving me the ability to speak his word and to lead, then it's okay. We're going to make mistakes, but it's not, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing this, make a mistake, make the same mistake, make the same mistake. No, I'm turning away from my sin, and I'm asking God to help me in my life. And guess what? When I turn from my sin, I ask God to open heaven so that I can have access to his presence, to his purpose, to his power, so that 
I can also give it back out to the world that I live in. That's my prayer this morning. So will you pray with me? God, I pray that we don't play church, that we are the church. God, if we're going to ask for your power, then God, help us to live it out. God, that's scary. I, I, even just saying that, I think there's people in this room that are, I don't want that. But God, how much is it grateful that we live in a place where we can speak love in the midst of chaos? That we can have peace as we look at this world that, that is crumbling around us with wars and rumors of wars and sickness and death and disease. Father, that we have access to heaven. Your peace, your love, your purpose. God, as, as people look at Camden and they all have words that it would, would, they would explain Camden, God, we see it through a different lens. We see it through a heavenly lens. God, I see hope and I see purpose. God, I see the capability of seeing a community that loves you and that has an opportunity for thousands to come to know you that don't know you that I might be a part of the solution of your kingdom here on earth. And God, as we look at Easter and we look towards your resurrection, God, that it would produce the power in us that daily we would have spiritual disciplines and daily we would have time with you that would grow us. And God, that it would help us to lay down our hurts, our pains, our sins, our insecurities so that we could pick up your presence, your purpose, and your plan for our life. Bless us to be a blessing to others. Grow us so that we can lead others to this. God, encourage us so that we can encourage others. God, love us so that we can love others. God, I pray that our, our, our week this week would be saying, God, make heaven accessible to me so that I can change the world around me. Freely you have given me this power. Freely you have given me your presence. Freely you have given me your love. So God, help me to give it to others. I pray that over our people. I pray an amazing week ahead. Give us opportunity. We love you, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. 